Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, if you could, would you open your program to page eight? And let me read to you the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke, the story of the birth of Christ, which is the most humble birth for the most exalted figure ever to be born. I'll read it and then I'll pray. Luke 2. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, tonight... I pray that no matter where we are at emotionally or spiritually, as the year ends, I ask that you would help us to find a way to let our heart prepare you room. Whatever that means and whatever that takes, I pray tonight it would be so. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you saw the pictures, but on Friday night, SpaceX launched a rocket into Southern California, and the problem was they didn't tell anyone, so everyone took to social media to ask what was going on. Everyone was tweeting things like, is this like finally a mass sighting of a UFO finally caught on social media, or is this an attack from North Korea, or is Jesus come back, and if so, why is he in Southern California? That sort of thing. No one knew what was going on. See, when an unusual event like this takes place, it requires some sort of framework so that we can make sense of them. They require eyewitness testimony. Then eventually these events need some sort of expert or sage or enlightened guide to interpret or tell us what we're looking at. And Elon Musk didn't help much when he tweeted a picture of the rocket that night and said it was a nuclear alien UFO from North Korea. But the point remains that when we come across an unusual event, we need, to, we need help to know what we have encountered and what it means. And there is not more of an unusual event than God becoming human, born in flesh and blood. But at the same time, there is nothing more natural than the event of a birth. So we, we need someone to explain what's happening here. 
When we look upon this newborn Christ child, we need someone to explain what's going on. You might need someone to explain what's going on. This might be your umpteenth Christmas service, and you're like, this is kind of lost on me still. I don't understand what's going on. What's the big deal of a baby being born? Because on one hand, this is the most unusual event to behold. And on the other hand, we can easily miss it because it's wrapped in the most uncommon or the most common event, a birth, and in the most humble of places, a manger. So we need an expert. We need an enlightened guide. And we get one in the form of a visiting angel. And this angel is so excited. I can't imagine this angel gets his duty. Like he gets his thing. Like God's like, can I need you go to announce my birth? I mean, that's, 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 that's high up there for an angel, right? Like you gotta, be, you gotta be pulling a lot of hours as an angel to get that sort of that sort of like kickback. And so he gets excited and he, he goes off on his angel duty and he, he, he's, it's like he, he announces the birth of Jesus with full glory on. He just shows up in this bright light and he scares these poor little shepherds to death. And the first thing the angel has to do is say sorry. Like, sorry, my bad, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. And here's the good news that the angel brings. Verse 11. Today, in the town of, of David, which is Bethlehem, A Savior has been born to you, and he is Messiah, the Lord. Now, first off, if you are a Hebrew shepherd, there is, this is is the greatest news you can ever be told. The Messiah, the Lord, the Savior, the Redeemer of your people, and the world has come to you finally. You've been waiting for him for generations upon generations, and he is finally here. And this Messiah has come to bring on earth peace. He has come to bring shalom. He has come to bring things back to the way they ought to be, the way things were meant to be. Peace, integration, wholeness. This Messiah, this Christ has come to do that. He's come to crush the thing that has been crushing us. He has come to break the power of that which has been enslaving us. Now, the next question these shepherds would have been asking is, where is he? Where can we see this Messiah? And here we are given, this angel gives us a sign. This is important because the sign of the Messiah is a peculiar sign. He says this, the angel says, this will be the sign to you. Here's the sign that you need to be looking for to see this messianic figure, the Christ, the Messiah. This is what you need to be looking for. Here's the sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And there it is. That's the sign. And we might have never found it unless we were given this sign. We would have skipped right over it. And what is a sign in the Bible? A sign in the Bible is an event that brings fresh revelation of God's creative and saving energies and produces in people awe, amazement, and submission. That's what a sign is. Signs are a big deal in the Bible. They are events that are so big, no one can miss them. The parting of the Red Sea is a sign. Manna from heaven is a sign. The day standing still for Joshua is a sign. The walls of Jericho come tumbling down is a sign. Jesus walking on water is a sign. Jesus making the leper skin brand new is a sign. Jesus rising from the dead is a sign. And all these signs produce in people awe, amazement, and even submission. But we would have missed this sign. We would have missed this one. 
We needed this angel to explain what we're looking at as we behold this child. Because when we think of God showing up, we think of him showing up with signs and wonders, shock and awe, with thunder and lightning. That's how we think of God showing up. But you could not tell this baby apart from any other baby born of lower class means. Human eyes could not see it. He looked, this child looked like a normal child. This baby looked like a normal baby. So what does this sign tell us about God? Why did this angel say, this is the sign? What does the sign of a baby, not a grown hero, wrapped in strips of cloths, not in robes, lying in a manger, not in a palace, tell us? What does it tell us about God? It tells us that we need to leave room for God to surprise us. The Christmas story is a story about surprise. It is about the surprising length God would travel to rescue us. The Christmas story is about the surprising vulnerability God would place himself under to save us. The Christmas story is about the surprising condescension God would undergo to be with us. There's this worship song that we've been singing on Sundays uh, at church, and the the chorus goes like this. The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, and leaves the 99. And then the bridge goes like this, because the bridge is always like where the money is, right? The bridge goes, there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It's actually provocative to think of God's love as reckless, I mean, people who text when they drive are reckless. Uber drivers are reckless. Like, how can God's love be reckless? That's like provocative. Like, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Is that the word you want to use in this worship song? Reckless love? But is there anything more reckless than God becoming a baby? Think about this. Is there anything more reckless than God becoming a baby, a vulnerable baby that literally needs other people to stay alive. If Jesus was not attended to, he would have died as a baby. The whole salvation plan put into the life of a vulnerable baby, and then that baby put into the hands of a peasant teenager. Is there nothing God won't do to save us? The reckless love of God And we wouldn't have seen this because this is way too simple. It's too earthy. It's too humble. And what this means is that if God would show up as a baby born in a manger to a teenage family of humble means, then there's no place that's safe. There's no place where God wouldn't go to show up in your life to rescue you. There is no link that God would not go to to save you. Christmas is about being open to that sort of surprise in our lives. Being open to that sort of surprise as we come upon a new year. To know that in our lives, there is no link that God wouldn't go to rescue us. There is nothing that he wouldn't do to save us. There is no, nothing he wouldn't do to get your attention. 
He would even make himself so vulnerable as being a child and entering into our world. Yesterday, I went to see a Charlie Brown Christmas Live at the SF Symphony Hall, and the SF Symphony plays uh, Vince Guaraldi's music to a, uh, to a live reenactment of Charlie Brown Christmas Story, and it's pure magic. It is incredible. And I was surprised. Um, I even got emotional at the end of this um, because I think I finally got it. I finally understood what the Christmas story, Charlie Brown Christmas story is all about. I mean, I always knew what it was about, right? I mean, I own the album. I listen to it every Christmas. I watch the cartoon every year. But I think for the first time, I really understood it. I understood it yesterday when the little tree that Charlie Brown picks from the modern tree lot was depicted by a little girl. The little girl was a tree. She was holding like little things like this, and she was just like this little sad tree. And as she stands center stage... She stands there dejected. And Charlie Brown is going crazy, and he bemoans finally, what in the world is the meaning of Christmas? Will someone tell me the meaning of Christmas? And of course, Linus takes center stage, and he reads the exact text before us tonight from Luke. And he stands up there, and he reads the text. And then at the end, he says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And then what he says is that Christmas is about this humble birth of a baby being the savior of the world, and through him there's peace, glory to God in the highest. He's reading Luke's narrative. And then right after that, in the play, and even in the, in the, in the cartoon, but more so in this play, that all of the characters gather around this sad little tree, and they gather around her, and there's this transformation that takes place. You don't see her being transformed. You see hands in the air, and everybody's kind of guarding her. But all of a sudden, everyone backs out, and then boom, she's like new. She's wearing this beautiful, um, like, Christmas tree dress thing. And she's all new, and she's shining, and the spotlight's on her, and her whole, like, face is lit up, glowing, and her Christmas tree dress is all beautiful. And this little moment, I realized, I mean, I got emotional watching it. I'm like, why am I getting emotional right now? This is like a little girl in a Christmas tree costume, and... I want to cry, and this is amazing. It's like in this little moment, I realize that this is what the Christmas story is really about because this is exactly what Jesus has come to do. He has come to make us new. He has taken our humble humanity and given us his glory. And the great links he would go through to do that is the Christmas story. It is the meaning of Christmas that he would take on the humble skin of humanity to, to, to become the light of the world, that we would have a change, that we would be changed, that we would have a possibility of having peace with God, that we'd have the possibility and the opportunity before us to have peace with ourselves, that we would become new, that he would, and by, in, in his humble humanity, exchange his glory for our flesh. And then... In this beautiful act of his life and his ministry, he would take our humanity upon himself and give an exchange, his glory back to us, and then we could become new. And then I realized as I was there, there's that song that we'll sing in a minute that, say, that says, long lay the world in sin and error pining until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. 
I, I realized, I think, I think the whole Charlie Brown Christmas story is about that line. Until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Until Christ appeared and we realized that we were worth Jesus going through those means to save us. That our souls were that worthy before God. That, and I don't even understand that. But all I can do really is accept it. I can receive it with joy. I can receive it this Christmas and go, God, is there any place that you won't go to show me your love? Is there, is there any place, any link that you would not go? And every Christmas, every single time I ponder this story, the Christmas story, I think most of the time when I'm studying this Christmas story, I just get struck with the fact that Jesus would make himself that vulnerable to save me. That Jesus would make himself that, that dependent on another human to save me. And that Mary would say yes to all of it. And that the angels would be involved in this whole thing. And there would be animals. I mean, all of these things that would take place for a salvation campaign for us. And unless someone told us this was what was happening, we would miss it. It's that plain. It's that simple. And and it inspires that much awe. This is what God would go through to save us. And until he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. Would you stand with me? If you've been with us for these past four Sundays, you know that so far we have lit the four candles of the five Advent candles. And each of these candles symbolizes something different. Hope, peace, love, and joy. And their symbolism, we find different opportunities to pray into the fullness of what the Advent season means. Tonight, as we light the Christ candle, we celebrate that Jesus, our Emmanuel, has come to us and we feel its worth. Let's pray. Lord, as we stand and we worship, I know that the chaos of the season could could be missed in the the simple the simple beauty of what this whole season means. I pray, God, that you would strike us like, strike us with this realization. It might be tonight, right now, during this song. It might be on our way home. It might be as a Christmas carol is played in the background of us opening presents tomorrow. It might be in the, the fact of our family being together after a long time. It might be the fact of, like, the pain of this season and how we feel so, so alone, and then you draw near to us. <clears throat> Whatever it is, I pray that you would surprise us, God. I pray that you would go to great lengths to show us your love for us, individually, Lord, that you show it to our hearts, that you would say to us, I am with you, I am Emmanuel, I am God with you, and what I did to be with you, and what I did to be among you, is so humbling, and so even humiliating, you were worth it. I pray our soul would feel that worth tonight. That we would feel almost like dignity would be brought back to our lives. Like we have a God who's pursuing us. We have a God who's coming after us. We have a God who would go to any link to reach us. I want to pray this next year, Lord, for those in this room that haven't been to church in a while. For those in the room that have maybe never been to church, I pray that this next year, 2018, will be filled with ways that you are pursuing them.
and showing them how much you love them, how much that you're after them to show them your love and to redeem them, to bring them shalom, to bring them peace. Thank you, God. We worship you, Lord, together in song. So we pray in Jesus' name.